Thanks so much. I definitely heard the applause and uh, what a warm welcome. It is a joy to be able to preach. Um, can you just put your hands up and thumbs up if you can hear me? I think that you are great. I can see one little screen that's got people. That's good. It is really, really tremendous to be with you today. And uh, to worship together, leaps across online, actually. And very cool that your church goes to half the size when the kids go out. That's, a, that's an African trait. And we do have so much connection, uh, as Aaron was saying, over the years and the relationships in the church. And so this is just very exciting to see it growing. Uh, Andy has been a, an amazing leader and kind of catalyzed and drawn our friendship together more and more over the months and years. And uh, he is such a serving, loving leader. And your church is just a very, very special one indeed. We've done buildings together. We've uh, done offerings. Uh, as you heard, Matt, and, and you probably know Matt is on his way out to us. And we're hoping to do a whole bunch of uh, theological training material. I've done some work over the last couple of weeks on the atonement and how to make the atonement clear in our context. And uh, I'm really hoping that there's going to be a synergy, uh, not only of finances, but of people and gifts that enable the gospel to go strongly into Zimbabwe and then into Mozambique and Zambia and Malawi and who knows where from there. You guys are also so strong in your graphics and your musical uh, arrangements. And some of that is Andy in action. And I know that there are other talents there and I'm thinking that there may be some hookup for us. Uh, and partnership in the gospel as we continue to explore those kind of things. But I don't want to take too much time just rejoicing in who you are as a church and uh, what God is doing with us together. I do want to delve into his word, and I hope that it will be of great encouragement to you and that your barbecue today is going to be really great. I'm sorry that that is something that I won't be able to get to uh not even the best of zoom will enable that but i will miss it and uh, hope you guys have a really great time um i'll just pray and then we'll dive in father thank you that we can feel this amazing joy of being a people together on a mission thank you lord for the way that you are working in new frontiers spheres around the earth for the commonality and uh, authenticity of faith and the outworking of the mission that you've given us. Father, I pray that by your spirit, I would be able to encourage this church and cause Christ First Watford to in greater measure fulfill the purposes that you have for it. I pray for this people coming out of lockdown and isolation re-emerging into a world that's changed so much and lord that 
you would use this message and other influences to make this church even more effective than it was before the lockdown. Father, I pray for your blessing on this time, on this word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 2, and we're going to look at four scriptures very quickly. Uh, I don't think I can help much practically on uh, the church coming together post-COVID. I don't think you need much help. Uh, I would say that your online service is the best online offering that I've seen. Half an hour before the meeting, it comes on with, with songs and notices that are very funky with a curtain kind of drawing back. And the notices themselves are very appealing, very informative. Your vibrancy in the hybrid context, I think, is very commendable. Like the person who's leading is aware of who's online and who's in the meeting. I don't think I can give you much help practically on how to be the church coming out of lockdown. But I do hope to be able to be of help biblically or theologically to inspire you to be the church. And somebody was, I think, praying that earlier, that we wouldn't uh, just something the church, but that we would be the church. Uh, I forget what, what she contrasted there, but it leapt out at me that uh, I'm hoping to be able to preach something that, that will inspire you to be the people that God has called us to be. Uh, Ephesians, uh, sorry, Acts 2, and we're going to be reading from verse 42. Um, if we had time, I would have loved to have gone back into Genesis and looked at the whole theme of Scripture down the ages of God's purpose of diversity expressed in unity. Different things, different colors, different shapes, different sizes, everything with unique identity, but working together for His purpose, working together for His glory. And uh, the uniqueness only serves to magnify his glory in its togetherness. Things not just uh, standing on their own, having a glory on their own, but a fullness of glory as they come together. And that theme all the way through scripture, even as God called Abraham and said, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He calls the singular and then he says this is going to happen through a plurality. He calls a people and works with a people, Israel, down the ages. But we pick it up in Acts chapter 2. This is now the risen Christ has poured out his Holy Spirit on all flesh, all who believe him. Your sons will dream dreams. Your daughters will prophesy. I can't remember the family members that are going to do what. But this is now God filling the church by his Spirit. And this is what it looks like. Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Beautiful picture of the early church and uh, something of what Christ First Watford represents, a people devoted to the apostles' teaching, and then you, bam, get straight into these words of togetherness. The first one there, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayers. These are things that they, by definition, did together. And so... The commitment to the apostles' teachings in plurality, and awe came upon every soul. This was a group of people. Many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles with a plural. They're in plurality, in action among the people. And all, there's that together word, who believed were together. I mean, what a definition. They were all together. And uh, they had all things in common. What does it look like to be all together? Well, they had all things in common. They shared their lives. They gave them. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, again, as any had need. And day by day, attending temple together, so they attended the big meeting together and breaking bread in their homes. They were in big groups and in small groups. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Both of those are uh, singular plural words, all the people. And the Lord added to their number another word of corporate togetherness, their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Well, that is uh, what I would call together in everything. God calls us to be together in everything, together in our devotion to the apostles' teaching, together in our fellowship, together in our prayers, together in our breaking of bread, in sharing, in buying, in selling, in giving, in receiving, in Meetings in large gatherings and meetings in small gatherings. These are a people together in everything. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 is another big together type verse. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see it because this is the Apostle Paul praying for this mighty church and probably a family of churches, certainly diverse uh, um, locations that they were meeting in under the apostles and the elders of the day. And he says, praying for this church, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So he's praying this very personally, very intentionally for every believer, but he is using the second person plural in your inner being, all of your, 
like they say in the South America, all you all, all you all, all of you all uh, in your inner being. And then he makes it clear so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. There's the plural through faith. So he's definitely praying for all of them that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know this love of Christ. It's very clear from the apostles' teaching that we are going to know the love of God as we together with all the saints enter into his love. Our expression and experience of God's love will always be in expression and experience of love one for another. Just like Jesus said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So the, there's two sides of the same coin. Loving God is loving people. And uh, very often people battle. We'll get to the hindrances of gatherings in a moment. But people battle not so much with Jesus, but with his people. We don't tend to have the same kind of challenge and interpersonal <laughs> conflict with God as we have with God's people. And uh, the truth is that actually loving God is loving people. Loving people is loving God. And the expression and experience of God's love in God's economy is always in the expression and experience of love one for another as well. Together with all the saints, we grasp how high and wide and deep is the love of Christ. Just two other quick verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. And this is striking for me because the Corinthian church was in, a, in quite a lot of uh, disorder in many ways. And Paul writes about how, how much joy he has in them in the first uh, nine verses, and then says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that all of you agree <laughs> that there is no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And then he goes on to report that some say they're of this group and some say of that, and He's saying right at the beginning of his letter, before he deals with sexual immorality in them, before he deals with how they're handling the gifts of the spirit, before he deals with uh, uh, challenging his own apostolic authority, before he gets into all of those things, the first thing he deals with is this unity, togetherness of the church, the essential foundational expression of who they are i appeal to you brothers by the name of the lord jesus christ that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you i think it's tremendous that you've got different uh wristbands for different people you're you're considering people and this person's got a green one because they're really comfortable. And this person's got an orange one. And this person's got a red one. And red one might want to be a bit more uh, introverted or is a bit more introverted. And we're thinking, how can we bring people together in a way that they feel comfortable and drawn together 
in a process of being becoming closer to the Lord and closer to each other. So this is a theme that just runs through the whole of Scripture, and I wanted to finish with one from the book of Revelation. There's many references to, to this kind of thing in Revelation, but I couldn't pass this preach by without Revelation 7 verse 9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice. There's that magnificent diversity landing in the singularity of community, people together. Even that word, com-unity, with unity, uh, and crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And this is where it is all heading, that we are all together, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, clothed with his robes of righteousness. And our unity is essentially in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So as we look at these passages, I, I thought I would just um, try to earth them with a couple of application points and then a couple of thoughts on what may hinder this joy of being together. So the application points, I just want to point out uh, uh, togetherness in family, togetherness in the workplace, as well as togetherness in the church. And I just want to say that togetherness in family is so, so important. Just like that passage we've read in Acts 2, <clears throat> they were in the temple courts, but also in their homes. You know, if we don't express this unity and diversity, if we don't express this togetherness in our homes, it becomes very difficult to have togetherness anywhere else. God has made it thus. In fact, he says to elders, and, and to the church as a whole, if you do not know how to love your own family, you're worse than the heathens and unbelievers. And so I really want to encourage us, encourage you as a church, as you come out of lockdown, to keep building intentionally a unity and a closeness in your family. And that may mean if you're married <clears throat> within the marriage relationship itself, We've just done a marriage course in Disciple Nations. I think we had 70 or 80 of our elders uh, across the different churches. We, we went for lead elders or key eldership couples. And Claire and I absolutely loved it. We used the, um, the uh, marriage course by Holy Trinity Brompton. Very, I think the same stable as the Alpha course. And it was grueling, grueling. Uh, Claire and I have been married for 28 years, and, and just 10 minutes in, we were like, whoa, okay. So I just want to encourage you. It's, it's just like detox, and we need it. Do all we can to be close in our marriages, close in our uh, relationship with our children. They will be facing things different to what they faced before. Uh, close in your sibling relationships. Uh, and there will always be challenge in those. 
uh, and close in relationships with parents, in-laws, again, if married, extended family. I mean, my family is so diverse and all over the world and with such different ideas, but I'm just thinking more and more, I want to be intentional about uh, showing Christ's love and expressing togetherness that people know something of his grace uh, in, in my family unit. Also, by application in the workplace, uh, there, is a, there is a real challenge in Scripture to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, uh, bless and not curse. I remember the first job I was in, there was not another Christian in the whole place. And I, my first job was to sweep the factory floor of a tractor parts factory in, in Durban in South Africa. And I mean, these guys had tattoos of naked women and they swore terribly and just life was upside down. And uh, I, I think those were some of the best learning curve days for what it is to really have unity together, how to be a blessing, how to, and I didn't, I didn't succeed a lot of the time, but over the years, there were some victories as well as losses, but how we treat our customers, how we fill in our tax return, how we honor God in letting our yes be yes and our no be no, um, and uh, just allowing God to challenge you in how you express unity and uh, harmony in the workplace, uh, particularly where people are not of the same faith and are not necessarily with the same agenda in what they're doing there. And then last application point, the church. Uh, if there is one place to express unity, that expression of uh, individual relationship with God uh, birthed in personal secret love for him, as well as an expression in the family, uh, going into the family of families, the church. And uh, I think togetherness in this will involve prayer. And I think it's just fantastic at the end of the worship time that there's a person who's just praying specifically for some stuff. I would encourage you to be together in prayer, uh, in the spirit, in heart, to be joined and to persevere in prayer. Certainly in small group, uh, to be part of a group where you are known and where you can know others. Uh, and as I say, I'll get there in a second. There's certain things that hold us back from this, but certainly from the Acts 2 passage, we see they, they were in the temple courts and home to home. They opened their homes. They shared meals. They engaged with one another. That is God's pattern. And also in a church setting, contributing, participating, having skin in the game. They sold goods and possessions as any had need. And you guys are an amazing church in that way. Uh, relatively small in number and yet massively generous in number. What you are able to do, able to produce, able, able to contribute is extraordinary. And I would 
encourage you in the days that we have before Jesus returns to be faithful with our finances. Uh, not to necessarily apply a formula, uh, be it 10% or 20% or whatever. I mean, it might be good if there's a particular number God gives you, but more than anything, the heart of saying, Father, my whole life is yours. I know your purpose, your kingdom, your righteousness is what I seek first. How do you want me to sow my finances? How do you want me to sow the practical things of my life? And deciding things from real faith in that realm. So as I close, just a couple of thoughts on things that hold us back. I think the reality is that togetherness is costly. Togetherness is really costly. It costs our time, it costs our talents, and it costs our treasures. It costs in every way. And to the carnal mind, it may feel or appear that living individualistically, either singularly or just me and my family, for no more type pause the reality is that to engage with others and to really build community is costly it takes time it takes investment of your gifts both in terms of your talents and your treasures but i believe that this is a prize worth going for uh, as we invest time it is part of what god has given us we choose the groups that he, we believe he is calling us to, and we commit to them. Uh, my small group that I lead has grown from nine to 13 over the last three months, and I'm trying to multiply three ways. But this morning, everyone messaged in saying, we can't meet, sorry, something's come up, something's come up. Everyone down to my wife, Claire. And so I put on the group that I'm going to ask her to go into a different room and I'll do a Zoom call with her and just pretend that we're having life group as normal. Probably we can't be together at the moment. So it is a commitment of time and it's, it's so difficult to get it together. As the leader, there's pain in that. There's, there's time to communicate and to make it happen, which is not easy at all. Talent is probably the biggest issue. I think some of us approach small group thinking I'm not good enough, I'm not acceptable enough, I'm not worthy enough, what good can I bring to it? And others of us approach a small group setting and say, I'm above this. These people don't deserve me or this isn't going to benefit my life. This isn't going to do me any good. Either one of those is false humility or false pride. It's just error. Uh, and the reality is that every single person is created in the image of God. And as we seek to know and be known, there is a power and a glory that the church is all about that happens in that moment. Do not disqualify yourself. And do not overqualify yourself, but have a sober judgment and commit to the togetherness 
with whatever talents he's given you. And lastly, treasures. I don't think I need to speak to you about that uh, anymore. I, I think it's just about faith. My closing encouragement uh, would be that Jesus has exemplified this to us. Jesus came from heaven to earth and he did not uh, isolate. He did not stay removed when we were in our disobedience and in the deadness of our transgressions. The scripture says in that moment, in that state, he made us alive in Christ or with Christ. And the reality is that God gave of his time. He came from eternity into the dimension of time. He never calls us to do what he has not done infinitely in infinitely greater measure. Not only did he give us time, but he gave his talents. He did not say, I am far greater than these people. I am it is not, it is beneath me to associate with these people. In fact, grace itself is where we are able to sow and bless where people are unable to repay. So if you're in a position where you think, oh, I don't get so much out of going to this, this small group, or I don't get so much out of it, I bring a lot more than I get. Well, if you really think that, Rejoice that you're in a context where you can express the grace of God, where you can shine something of the talent that he's given you and not necessarily be repaid by people. It's a very special thing when we give authentically, uh, not for what we can get back, but just because of love and because of his love for us. And Jesus not only gave his time and his talents, but his treasures. Uh, in fact, Philippians tells us he emptied himself. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant and becoming obedient to death. The creator of the heavens and the earth, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, holds the whole universe together by the power of his word, became obedient even to death. That moment of absolute poverty, he became sin for us, that in him we may be the righteousness of God. What a demonstration of the togetherness that God is after, drawing us into his relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, taking us as the bride of Christ. We get glimpses of the wonder of what this is, being united in the Godhead, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, together for all eternity.
just like marriage speaks of Christ and the church, that togetherness as a husband and wife speaks of Christ and the church. So we embrace the fact that God's whole purpose is this wedding feast of the Lamb. That day when the bride will be revealed, and that is a corporate people who know and love him, and from his love in their hearts, know and love one another. I just finish with that exhortation that the Apostle John gave. I think he was the only apostle that did not suffer a martyr's death. Uh, the Christian tradition has it that he was put in boiling oil in a Roman Colosseum, but God delivered him and uh, exiled, and he was exiled by, by the Caesar at the time. I, I can't remember which one, Demetrius or something like that, to the island of Patmos, which is where he wrote the book of Revelation. And when he returned, Christian tradition has it that he would be wheeled out on the, uh, in the gatherings, the Christian gatherings. And they would say, Apostle John, what do you have to say? Any encouragement? And he would just say, brothers, love one another. Brothers, love one another. And they'd say, thanks so much, John. And they'd wheel him back. And the next week, he'd just say the same thing. I remember Jesus saying, if you have this love among you, all will know that you are my disciples. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Special Church, Christ First Watford, I pray this for you. I pray it sincerely this morning. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would take this church into greater realms of effectiveness and that it would be based on this love of Christ. That as you have loved us, we would love one another. That as you came from eternity into the temporary and gave of your time, as you gave of your talent, as you, as you taught and as you did miracles and as you walked and as you shared your life, Father, I pray that we would, as a people, love one another with our time and with our talents. And as you gave all your treasure, as you emptied yourself, Father, I pray that you would make this church forcefully, forcefully and aggressively violent in advancing the kingdom of heaven. I pray that you would make them of one heart and mind in agreement together, that there'd be no divisions, that there'd be a joy of unity, just like there was in Nehemiah's day, where they had a mind to work and they achieved in 52 days what had not been done in 52 years. Lord, I pray that Christ First Watford would have an expression of togetherness that delights in your design with an even richer expression than it ever was before lockdown. I really pray for this church, Lord, that it would feel like Acts chapter 2, devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayers. 
that signs and wonders would be done amongst them, that all who believe would be together, that there would be a commonality, a joy in unity. Father, that there'd be a selling of possessions and belongings, a distribution, and that day by day, you would lead this church in gathering together in large meetings and also breaking bread home to home, sharing food with glad and generous hearts. And Lord, that you would add to their number daily those who are being saved. Pray for your blessing on this church. In Jesus' name, amen.